0: This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. And a wonderful of Shabbos to all of you. Great to be with you again to talk about the Parsha, to talk about the special month that we're in, the added month of Adar, a month that... Our sages tell us we have to increase our level of joy, and we have to understand the Parsha within the context of joy as well. Of course, joy is something which extends throughout the year. It's something which should touch our lives every single day of the year. But nonetheless, Torah tells us there are certain times of the year when all of this becomes easier. There's a greater energy, a divine flow of Simcha into the world, and our job is to tap that Simcha, to try and understand how to make it our own, and to use the incredible energy of Simcha in order to enhance our lives, to upgrade our behavior, and to become a little bit better, a little bit different, to become someone who understands the purpose of life, the purpose of creation, and works, sometimes diligently, sometimes a bit not so diligently, but nonetheless, this is the journey that one takes, the journey of bringing about ultimate purpose in God's creation. And this is why when we study the Parsha this week, we have to understand the Parsha itself, what it contains, and also, as I said before, within the context of Simcha, within the context of joy. It's something which permeates each and every single day, each and every single hour, moment of this month, the added month. And when we speak about addition, addition doesn't only mean one more. Addition means that it changes the entire structure of what we're talking about. And when we add a month, It adds not only one more month to the year, it makes it an additional year. Each and every single moment is blessed with the concept of additional, of more, of extra. Each and every single moment of the year is blessed with that dimension of greatness. It is something which contains not only that which it normally contains, but each and every single moment of the year contains the additional, the extra, something extraordinary. The Parsha this week is Tetzaba. It's a very special Parsha, very important Parsha, not only because it contains all the laws regarding the garments of the Kohanim, of the priests, particularly the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, and uh, various other elements within the Parsha, but because it is strangely the only Parsha That does not contain the name of Moshe, of Moses, since the time of his birth until the book of Deuteronomy. Each and every single parasha, from the moment of his birth onward, contains his name. We speak about... Torah. We speak about Torah. Moshe. He is bound up with Torah in a complete and infinite sort of way, and this is why he is the one who gives us the Torah. He brings it down from God. He brings it down from Sinai. He brings it down to each and every single one of us. He is the ultimate leader, the ultimate teacher, the ultimate care of the Jewish people. Moshe Rabbeinu is the one who is there at every single turn when there's good times and sometimes challenging moments, when God is angry with the Jewish people. Moshe is always there exercising his incredible responsibility of leader, of teacher, of guide. And this is why the Torah, we speak about the five books of Moses, we speak about the five books of Moshe. Moshe and the Torah are one and the same in so many different ways. And strangely enough, Here is one Parsha that does not contain his name. We understand why every other Parsha does contain his name, because after all, he is so bound up to the nth degree, to the infinite degree with the concept of Torah. Why would this Parsha be glaringly obvious with the absence of his name? And some of our commentaries explain because of the fact that the Jewish people, when they sinned with the golden calf, with the Egel Hazav that we're going to talk about next week, when he sinned with the golden calf, God truly became angry with the Jewish people. How is it possible that so soon after Revelation at Sinai, so soon after God himself came down on the mountain and handed the ultimate gift to the Jewish people, the gift of Torah, the Jewish people could in turn turn around and build a golden calf, an eagle Hazab. And while there are so many explanations that we'll talk about some other time, the fact remains it is extremely puzzling and worrying. How is it possible that the Jewish people behaved in such a negative, such a disturbing and such a destructive sort of way? God wants to destroy the Jewish people. He says they no longer deserve this special relationship with me. What happens, of course, is Moshe stands in front of God and says, if you destroy this people, erase me, remove me from your holy book. In other words, Moshe is saying, again, he puts himself at personal spiritual risk. He's not only defending the Jewish people, he can incur the wrath of God. After all, God has made a decision that he wants to do away with the Jewish people, yet Moshe stands there. With tremendous strength, with tremendous courage, and with tremendous determination. And he says to God, if you do that to your people, then you may as well take me out of your book as well. And what does God do? He forgives the Jewish people. Because this, of course, is the greatness of Moshe. He stands at every single moment in defense, caring for his people and this is why regardless of the fact that he puts himself at personal spiritual risk he puts his whole relationship with god at risk by making this type of demand nonetheless this is precisely what he does because this is what moshe is all about and because when it's sadik when a righteous person when a pious person says something it comes to fruition it has to come into reality from one parsha his name is removed, because this is an indication that what he said, take me out of your book, in fact, takes place in this week's Parsha. Why this week's Parsha? Well, there are many different explanations. Some say because the yahrzeit, the anniversary of the death of Moshe, which is on the 7th of Adar Rishon, the 7th of the first Adar, which was this week, it, because it usually is within proximity to this Parsha, this is why it's this particular Parsha that has been chosen not to have the name of Moshe. But still, it makes one wonder what it's really all about. What is this Parsha all about? While we understand the fact that his name is not mentioned, because he said, remove me from your book, and this is why in some small measure it has to be done, it's in relationship to his site, etc., etc. What in fact is this Parsha all about? And when we look at this Parsha, when we we'll begin to understand this Parsha, not only is it not, in a sense, mentioning his name and therefore seems to create some sort of absence, some sort of empty space in relationship to Moshe, we will see that in this particular parsha, Moshe features far more than any other parsha. We've had Moshe... Going up to the mountain, going up to heaven for 40 days and 40 nights, bringing down the Torah, leading the Jewish people, bringing victory against the Amalekites, all sorts of things. Bringing water to a parched people, bringing the man of the food to a hungry people. We see Moshe in so many spectacular moments, displays of great leadership. And yet, according to certain commentaries, particularly the mystical commentaries, the teachers of Kabbalah, the teachers of Hasidut, they talk to us that within this Parsha, we see Moshe at a far different level, a far greater level. We see Moshe at his very essence, because whatever else he has done is a dimension of Moshe's greatness, whereas this parsha speaks about his very essence, the very being of Moshe, what he is truly all about, what Moshe stands for in the fullest sense of the word. We understand his leadership, therefore, in a far greater measure. We understand his status as a teacher in a far greater measure. We understand his relationship with God in a far greater measure. We understand his relationship with us in a far greater measure. Yes, his name is not mentioned. Of course, his name is not mentioned in this week's Parsha. But at the same time, his presence is felt, his presence is seen, his presence is there in great, wonderful measure. And it's up to us to understand how we see this in the Parsha, how it actually comes across to us in the Parsha of this week. Tetzabeh talks to us about the greatness of Moshe. Tetzabeh talks to us about the essence of this Incredible leader. So talks to us about Moshe in the fullest sense of the word. More of that soon. This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. We're talking about Moshe. We're talking about who he was, what he was, and why in this week's Parsha he features without having his name mentioned, but yet at the same time his presence is felt in far greater measure. So let's take a look at the parsha. The parsha is titsabeh, how it begins, what it means, what it says, and therefore this will give us insight into who and what he is all about in the fullest sense of the word. The parsha begins with the words, Va'atoh, God says to Moshe, Va'atoh, and you, Titzaveh, instruct the Jewish people as Israel, Yisrael, V'yikho They shall bring to you, take for you, the Shemen Zais Zoch, pure, clear olive oil, Kossi's Lamar, that has been squeezed in a particular way that it can be used to illuminate Lahalis Nertomid, to kindle the permanent lamp on the candelabrum, on the menorah. So while, of course, one can simply read this Parsha, read this sentence, and say, well, what's it so special, what is it saying? And suddenly we begin to realize that the actual structure of this sentence, what it conveys to us, is something which is incredibly powerful and unique. Throughout the entire Torah, we have... A huge number of times where it says, and God spoke to Moshe that he should tell the Jewish people, that he should instruct the Jewish people, that he should command the Jewish people. But it's always in the third person. God spoke to Moshe. We are being told about a story that took place or takes place in the third person. God spoke to Moshe, who then in turn speaks to the Jewish people. Whereas in this partial, listen to the words, We are privy to something extraordinary. God says, and you will command, you will instruct, you will tell the Jewish people. We are privy to a very personal relationship between God and Moshe. It's not in the third person that we are being told about an event that takes place where God speaks to Moshe. To talk to the Jewish people, but here we are listening to the voice of God as He speaks directly to Moshe. You are the one who should do this important instruction. We are privileged by having insight of standing next to this incredible conversation between God and Moshe. It's not in the third third person we're being told a story. We are standing at that point in place where God speaks directly to Moshe. And this is why even though his name is not mentioned, but his presence is felt. Because when his name is mentioned in the third person, that's precisely what it is. A story that's being told to us in the third person. Whereas over here, God directly communicates with Moshe. He speaks to him directly face to face. And we have been given the incredible privilege of standing there, being privy to this important communication from God to Moshe. And what does he tell Moshe? He tells Moshe to make sure to get... Pure, clear olive oil to be used to kindle, to light up the menorah, the candelabra. Now the question, of course, is asked, why is Moshe given this instruction? Why does he have to tell the Jewish people to bring the oil to him? After all, he's not the one who kindles the menorah. That's done by the Kohen. Whether it's done by a Kohen or the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, or any priest, the fact remains. And this is a duty. This is a job. This is one of the privileges that the Kohen has in the temple. Why is it necessary to first bring the oil to Moshe? Why not bring it directly to Aaron and his sons? Why not do that without bringing it to Moshe first? So in actual fact, when we begin to examine this particular passage in its deeper sense, we begin to see, we begin to understand that not only are we privy to God speaking directly to Moshe, and we are being privileged by listening in on this conversation, But it goes far beyond that as well. The terminology is precise, as every single word in Torah. Every single word in Torah has meaning within meaning, within meaning, within meaning. And the greater the scholar, the deeper the study, one begins to see the incredible dimensions of each and every single word. But what is taking place over here is something which is quite extraordinary. And this tells us who Moshe is. It not only tells us who Moshe is, but it tells us about his relationship with God, his relationship with us, and what, in fact, his real duty is all about. As mentioned before, he had a great many duties. He cared for the Jewish people. He taught the Jewish people. He led the Jewish people. But ultimately, what is his core responsibility? We hear this, we see this in this particular passage, in the opening words of the Parsha, as a matter of fact. Because the word Tetzaveh, which means instruct or command, also comes from Tzavta to connect. And what it, we hear is that God tells Moshe that the Atat of B'nei Yisrael, you are the one who is able to connect the Jewish people with me. That the greatness of Moshe is not only that he teaches, he guides, he cares. But he is the one who is able to bring about that incredible relationship and connection between each and every single one of us and God. Yes, we each possess a soul. We each possess an neshama. We each possess an neshama which our sages tell us is chelikaveka, mima mamish, part and parcel of God himself. But that's hidden deep within us. That's hidden deep within our, well, not only conscience, but beyond our conscience. What Moshe is able to do is Tetzaveh. He is able to make this relationship and connection between each and every single one of us and God real, conscious, and present. He is able to make us feel. He is able to make us see. He is able to make, make us experience this relationship that each and every one of us has with God. This is a powerful opening. But God is speaking directly to Moshe, and he is charging him with an incredible duty. And the duty is titzaveh, connect each and every single Jew. This is the true dimension of leadership. It goes far beyond caring. It goes far beyond time teaching. It goes far beyond leading. Yes, of course, all those elements are there as well, but what is the essential core instruction that God gives him is that you are able to, to connect each and every single Jew. Now, just imagine that type of responsibility, what it takes to have that sort of ability, what kind of gift that God gave Moshe that he is able to achieve this incredible relationship with each and every single Jew that not only does he care for that person, not only does he teach that person, not only does he lead that person, but he actually connects him with God directly. And how does he do this? What is the process of this particular connection? How was it achieved? How was it done? How does Moshe actually take each and every single Jew? And through word, example, guidance, and essential core leadership, how does he bring about this incredible connectivity and relationship between each and every single Jew and God? And he says the way you have to do it is through the metaphor of oil. Now, oil talks to us about intellect, higher intellect. Oil talks to us about spiritual dimensions of the Nishama. Oil is something which is there and it is brought out from within the olive. But the way that is brought out from the olive is kassiz lamar. It has to be squeezed. It has to be pressed. It's not something which comes automatically and easily. In order for us to bring out that oil, We have to go through a process of cusses. And cusses means difficulty. Tosis means allowing oneself to be to a certain degree squeezed and pressed in order to bring out that rich oil that we possess, that Nishama quality, that spiritual dimension, that God reality that is contained within each and every one of us at our core level, in fact our very essence being that relationship with God. This is what Moshe is able to do. Moshe is able to teach us how we mustn't fear the fact that in order for us to achieve this level, we have to go through challenges and difficulties, and perhaps sometimes a wee bit of pain as well. But it's something there that brings out deeper qualities, essential qualities, relationship between ourselves, each and every one of us, and God himself can you imagine this incredible responsibility that God places on Moshe that God places on Moshe in a sense the millions of people that he was responsible for in the wilderness and throughout all time because actually Moshe is our eternal leader and as our Mystical sages speak to us about Ispashtusa de Moshe Becholdora dora. In each and every single generation, there's the extension of Moshe. There's the leader. There is that righteous, pious, great man who takes the position of Moshe, who has to a certain degree the qualities of Moshe, where he is able to achieve the Moshe dream, the Moshe job, the Moshe responsibility. Just imagine that we have this type of gift given to us, that Moshe himself teaches us how to somehow bring out the depth of our being so that our conscious relationship with God is just that. It's not something which is hidden. It's not something which is within. It's not something in the deeper recesses of our unconscious reality, but it's a conscious reality. It's something that we feel, that we experience, that we can use. And this is the opening passage of this week's Parsha. Yes, Moshe's name is not mentioned, but you know what? Moshe is told that he is able to do this thing. We hear how he has this personal relationship with God, where God says to him, you. And when the word you is used, this is an indication that there is a powerful and close An incredible relationship. And what do you have to do, says God to Moshe, in this personal intimate relationship that God has with Moshe and Moshe with God? He says to him, to you have to somehow bring about that same degree of consciousness by each and every single Jew at his or her own level. And the way you do that is by teaching them how to extract the precious oil, that spiritual dimension, That intellectual quality that comes from the neshama, that comes from the soul, that comes from the essence of the person, which is connected with the essence of God. And what happens then more, not only are you able to uh, kindle the candelabra, but you become a source of light yourself. This is what Torah tells us. When we somehow bring that dimension of oil from within the depths of our neshama to a conscious and obvious reality, we become a source of illumination. We are able to do that to others as well that not only are we able to kindle something else, we shine with a brightness, we shine with an essence, we become more, not only or, light, but we become more, the source of light. We become so powerfully energetic and strong that we are able to somehow continue with this great responsibility that Moshe is given, the great duty that he has given. And then what do we do? We are able to illuminate the menorah that permanent central lamp that somehow shines, not only within the content and context of the Bet HaMikdash, of the Mishkan, of the tabernacle. But it's a light that goes far beyond and brings light to the world in the deeper sense of the word light. Because this is precisely what the world needs most of all. We live in a situation of darkness, and darkness brings confusion, and confusion brings chaos, and it brings destruction and negativity. What does light do? Light brings clarity, as mentioned last week and mentioned so many times before. And what is clarity? What is certainty? That's the idea of joy. But more of that soon. This is the Weekly parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. We're talking about Moshe Rabbein. We're talking about the fact that God tells him, Tetzaveh, you, Moshe, you have the capacity, you have the responsibility, you have the duty, not only of leading, teaching, and caring for the Jewish people, but connecting them with me. And how each and every one of us, by going through the process of allowing ourselves to be squeezed a bit, yes, a bit of effort, of doing something which is a bit difficult. It doesn't come easily. It doesn't come automatically. It's something that has to be done with a certain degree of effort, of exhausting effort sometimes. But the end result is, Ma'or, not only have you brought out that one drop of absolutely pure, clear, holy oil, but you become a source of light, you become a source of illumination, you're able to light up a world that is dark and confused, you bring clarity, you bring purpose, you bring certainty into a world that is so chaotic. But the Pasha continues with a different subject as well. And this gives us further insight into this idea of how to bring out the depth, the inner dimensions, what Moshe is told in this week's Parsha. And this week's Parsha speaks about the garments that the priests wore while they were serving in the temple. The four garments that the ordinary priests wore, the eight garments that the high priest wore. I'm not going to go through the garments per se, but to talk about the concept of garments. What are garments for? The garments are there for a number of reasons. Number one, are clothes our uniform somehow tells the world who we are you know you look at a policeman he's wearing a particular type of uniform a fireman wears a completely different type of uniform a sailor wears a uniform a different people there wear different uniforms to tell us who and what they are at the same time they are there to a certain degree to protect us against the elements hot cold whatever the case might be and the third And a very important dimension is for modesty so that we are able to appear in public not only to inform the world who we are and what we are, but we do so in a modest sort of way. Now, this is something which is important for for us to understand because garments, being external to the individual, we often think to ourselves, well, what role does it really play? You know, every couple of years... Fashion changes, taste changes, and this is why we wore it like this, or we wore it like that, and this color, and that shape, and this particular cut, and this particular way. No. It goes far deeper than that, because it touches upon the essence of the individual as well. Because the garments, as I said before, not only reveal who we are to others, but actually can reveal who we are to ourselves as well. Because in the holy books, in the holy book of Tanya at great length, we talk about the garments of the soul, thought, speech, and action. And what does thought do? Thought communicates our inner dimensions of intellect to a conscious reality within our minds. In other words, that which we feel and understand and think and know at a very deep level, far beyond it becomes a thought far earlier than it becomes a thought, exists in a very deep recess as far as our souls are concerned. And in order to draw that out to a conscious reality, we need the power of thought. Thought communicates to us what we really know, what we really understand, and what we really think about speech as well. Speech communicates to others in a way of who and what we are. And of course action enables us to function in the world correctly and to do the things that are necessary and to do them correctly. And this follows on the idea of Moshe connecting the Jewish people with God himself. It's not only the drop of oil, that drop of pure oil that turns us into a more turns us into a source of illumination, but it's also how we choose to handle the garments that we wear how we choose to reveal to ourselves our innermost thoughts, how we choose to communicate to others what we are thinking and what we are trying to say, how we act, what example we set in the world. All those things connect us to ourselves and therefore, in a sense, connecting us to God as well. And all those things reveal tremendous dimensions of power within us through thought, through speech, through action. This is what garments do. And we do it in a modest sort of way because this is what garments are all about. Garments are there not only to protect the body, but in a sense to hide the body because this is something which is personal. It's something which is intimate. And it's not something that we simply flash and show around in terms of the world. There has to be a dimension of great modesty, and the greater the modesty, the greater we are able to receive further gifts and further insights into our thought, into our speech, into action. The modesty of thought, the modesty of speech, the modesty of action. All those things speak to us about bringing about a state of consciousness which is correct, somehow appearing in the world in a proper way, somehow indicating to the world that something within us touches us, and we have touched something within ourselves as well. This is something which is so important, as I said before, within the context of this special month, the additional month of Adar, the additional 13th month of the year, the fact that all of that is connected with Simcha. All of that is connected with joy. What is real joy? Real joy is not the external sensation that we feel, but this inner dimension of clarity, of purpose. You know, you know for a fact, you know with a sense of certainty, you know with a sense of clarity. Your thought tells you that, your speech tells you that, your actions tell you that. This is what Moshe does. He connects us to our core. He connects us to our source, and ultimately he connects us to God as well. And this is why, as I started, this Parsha does not have the name of Moshe, because a name is something which is very external to the individual essence. We are talking about the essence of Moshe in this week's Parsha. We are talking about the inner quality, the core quality of what Moshe is. And what is Moshe? Moshe is the one that God speaks to directly, Vata. And you, God says to him, you, you connect each and every single Jew with me. And this is what this Parsha is all about. And this Parsha, well, almost always comes out in the month of Adar, the month of joy. Because what greater joy could there possibly be than the conscious and powerful relationship that we have with God and to know about it, to feel it, to experience it with a tremendous degree of energy that this month gives us. So, when you are in shul tomorrow, listen to the Parsha very carefully. You won't hear the name of Marsha, not mentioned, But you'll sense it, and the minute you begin to sense it, you begin to realize that you sense it in a far more powerful way than you might sense at any other part where his name is mentioned. We're privy standing right there where God says to him, you, Moshe, can you imagine standing right next to that situation where God speaks directly to Moshe, and he allows us, he allows us to be present at that incredible moment. And this is the moment that you have to develop when you hear the Parsha being read tomorrow. And this is why it's important to study the Parsha. And this is why it's important to understand Moshe. It's important to understand each and every one of ourselves in relationship to who and what we are, to who, in fact, we are bound up with intimately through the teaching, the guidance, the love, the direction of Moshe, not with his name, but with his essence. So listen carefully to the Parsha. Good Shabbos.